<laughs> do you do vocal exercises before the um, yeah of course i do i always do every Long single time go. for at least an hour <laughs> yeah oh god yeah i mean the preparate let's be clear the preparation that goes into these podcasts that's massive isn't it it's intense it's uh it's almost you know debilitating like, i find it uh, very difficult to do anything else with my life you know sometimes it can run into the seconds <laughs> yeah several yeah, seconds yeah sometimes double digits of, of that as well I did do 10 seconds prep once, I'm just saying. Right. I don't want to make you feel inadequate. Hi, this is the Off The Rocks podcast. My name is Jen. This is Sarah. Hello. What do you think of that new intro? I was like, like, oh, Jen sounds quite sort of sexy there. I was like, I'll try and mirror that. And then I went, hello. (laughs) 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 Do you have caffeine? No, I had a sparkling water with lemon. (laughs) Yeah, did you like the new intro? Uh, yeah, I did. Is that, did that go into the 10 seconds of preparation that you did? No, that just came to me. Oh, wow, just off the bat, just like you know, that. In, for me, <laughs> inspiration strikes that fast sometimes. You really are a talented broadcaster, I aren't know. you? I knew it. I know. So how are you, my darling? I'm very well, thank you, yes. You've had a really full-on few days. You've been here, there and everywhere. <sighs> socialite I am these days um it's partly because I've got no fucking work on (laughs) which I'm trying not to freak out about but I literally haven't had any work for uh, the best part of three weeks so um it's all well and good now but when I come to pay my rent I won't be uh, quite as as enjoyable but um yeah no I'm good I've uh, just been bombing around uh, the Midlands seeing various people and having a nice time so we are obviously sort of touching on the fact that you're in a new exciting relationship and we we want to really protect that because obviously it's early days and you know you might want to talk about it which is only natural because it's so exciting when you're in that it's only natural natural that i should want to be there with you is that the one you were going for that was lovely i think i I think it was it's hard to tell from your rendition i think it's delamitri yeah no that's yes I can hear it now it's uh... (laughs) yeah but obviously we need to protect the other person's privacy so we're not naming names or giving specific details but you were saying though that she knows that you do do a podcast in your spare time but you haven't told her the name of it which I'm really impressed by Yes, uh, well, it's, it's you know, 90% embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just being but, generally ashamed of the poor yeah, quality. Exactly, exactly. I'm like, there was that week when my mic was too quiet, I don't need to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, obviously I just dropped it in. Uh, because, you know, if you drop in that you do a podcast, like that's part of my seduction portfolio of uh, trying to impress people. But mm. I'm sure actually she was like, wow, she's a massive narcissist who likes the sound of her own voice. Yeah. Okay. And the less information you give as well, the more she'll probably assume it's a fantastic really popular exactly. podcast and you yes. don't don't deny her of that yeah no um we are we are chartered um i, w- I won't say where but um we are oh sorry the cat's just jumped up get down you know jen hates you go on i fucking um, hate that cat fucking cat <laughs> fuck off get Effie. rid of it <laughs> i've asked her to leave but you know she's uh, she's got squatters rights now yeah so uh our podcast that we're very proud of yeah, I love doing this podcast, I and do. and the more we do it, because we're not we're not hammering by any means the promotion of it. We literally no. mention it once when when a new <laughs> one comes out, and even then, sometimes that's a week late. Sorry about that last <laughs> podcast. 
Um, I'd forgotten about it, to be honest. I totally so forgot I don't it. Know how anyone else remembers. I scheduled it to, to pop up and it did. And then I, I, as I've said before, I never go back and once I've edited them, I never re-listen to them ever again. It's like they're dead to me once they're out. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then I'll promptly forget everything I've said and someone might mention something that I'll have said ages ago and I think I would never have said anything as ridiculous as that lies lies yeah but yeah you have kept the name of it to yourself which like I said I'm I'm impressed by because most people would be so eager to show off about it you know being involved in a podcast of this caliber (laughs) (laughs) hello ego (laughs) well no not not because of that but because you know it's all about it's all about well you and me we're sort of spouting off about what we think and Mm. how bloody clever we are and funny we are (laughs) but yeah it's a it's an easy yeah it's an easy in isn't it as to more about the sort of person that you are yeah I think it's a weird one because on the one hand like obviously a lot of the stuff that we've talked about is is kind of deeply personal but the fact that I'm happy for it to be out there in the ether so to speak obviously it's not like um I can expect to be able to hide that from anyone because it is freely available. Um, but then on the other hand, I don't know, it's like a weird thing because, you know, I, I barely know her and she barely knows me and I, mm. I don't want her to be able to listen to, um, uh, you know, 15 hours of me speaking about all of my personal shit and then just have this massive insight into who I am when it hasn't come directly from me. Cause yeah, and it's not come out really naturally weird. between the two of you. Yeah, so yeah. that's kind of um, how I framed it. But, you know, I, f- I, d- I feel reasonably relaxed about it. I'm sure at some point that uh, she'll listen. And, yeah, um, you, can't, you can't not. You can't really. and be like, what have I done? <laughs> and then you'll probably be single again. <laughs> um, yeah, if I start to freak out about being in a... Well, it's not really a relationship yet, but... Oh, God, look at me now, freaking out live. Yeah, you're already, um, like, non-committing to it <laughs> live. <laughs> right now but also, it's not even a relationship I barely know the person <laughs> you can't see the hives um but I uh, oh god I've lost it. <laughs> it's an early relationship it's the beginnings of one and it's it, it does is, seem it from the from the small amounts that you've told me in private it absolutely seems like it's a mutually accepted thing that you're both really into each other that's exactly yeah, how it sounds and it's lovely it. and it's so there's there's not really there's, I certainly don't feel any um pressure for it to be or not be anything really it's just like and and that's why you know I did at the start I uh did try and boundary myself unnecessarily well you know I say I tried I thought about <laughs> I thought about doing it and then I was like hang on I don't need to worry about like if I want to spend time with someone and I'm I'm having so much fun then why do I need to think oh hang on is that too much is this too soon is this you know so there's the stuff that I do have issues about uh happening too soon and I will deal with that as and when um but yeah I, I just think so far just, so good yeah, and you also true. mentioned though that on a on a different note that she is completely devoid of intellect (laughs) she's like where are you going with this what should i say emotion taste she doesn't use um any sort of social media is that right no she can um barely use microsoft word by the sounds of things uh so yeah just no technology in that respect uh, why is that media no um i don't really know i just is it like a conscious choice she just doesn't like it 
I, I didn't I didn't really ask. I wasn't really interested. You were just thrilled. <laughs> Great. I can say everything <laughs> I want on this podcast Anything now. I like. Uh, no, I was kind of, um, to me, that's incredibly appealing, actually, mm. um, because I, yeah, if I'm not into um, certainly Facebook and Twitter and stuff. I, li- I like Instagram because I think... Uh, my experience it's it, i mean it's a personal experience and there are people who really like facebook and get lots out of facebook and you know fine good for you but for me i don't have any of that um sort of anxiety around uh using instagram i just think mm. it's a, a place for me to share some pictures and try and be funny <laughs> mm. and and my interest in it ebbs and flows like there are times when i'm i use it a lot and i'm on it a lot and there are times when i don't open it or think about it and um and that's good yeah, it's nice to be able to take yeah. and leave it definitely so yeah I don't know why maybe she's I mean she's incredibly boring so um, maybe she's just got nothing to say obviously <laughs> devoid of, of anything she lives the life like she's the, the Bronte sister <laughs> yeah, yeah something out of a Jane Austen uh, novel just playing the piano and she singing. just plays solitaire in the garden in a long dress yes, under a right. canopy and uh, taking to her bed when she's ill yeah and she'll um, no doubt die when the time comes of consumption <laughs> very or the sure plague too. i'm sure i'm sure yes had a long and happy life <laughs> she died <laughs> at the age of 28 30s <laughs> yeah a barren spinster <laughs> no what a terrible light to paint her in uh, yes, obviously indeed. we're joking so uh, when when she comes to Please listen to this bit me. <laughs> we are joking yeah <laughs> Right then, on to the podcast then. We have another listener email. It's quite a serious one. Um, oh dear. Yeah, so, <laughs> so uh, the person that wrote in clearly hasn't really listened to the podcast no. very much. Imagine if someone just said, now I've been listening to this podcast and they, they, ask, uh, uh, they answer listener email, so maybe you should write in and she's just come in blind and she's yeah. going to listen to it with a notepad and pen ready to take down all the uh, details and she's just going to probably get abuse. and Yeah pure abuse tales from our own life (laughs) (laughs) on relevant all right it starts dear jen and sarah firstly thanks for the podcasts you sometimes 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 yeah (laughs) that is true (laughs) you somehow strike the perfect balance between talking about very serious issues and being really funny yes i agree yeah definitely I wondered if you could offer me some advice on a problem I'm dealing with at the moment. I've been dating a man for nearly a year and he has two children from a previous relationship. I love my boyfriend, but I can't stand his kids. They are openly hostile towards me and have clearly been poisoned by their mother, who is still bitter about the breakup with their dad last year. It makes me think that it would be easier to just break up and only date people who are child free. Any suggestions? Welcome, Samantha. That is dense yeah it's it's really i don't think we're qualified to (laughs) to Um, wade into this one good luck all the best but um yeah yeah it's i it's a tricky one i would say that uh from my personal experience i've certainly never been uh in that situation i have i have dated uh people with kids but um i've not really got to the point where um I've sp- oh no that's a lie um I have spent time with them <laughs> I just can't spent remember. ten years with someone's stepmother <laughs> yeah 
no, I have I have spent um, time with them, and but I've never really I've never had issues. I had I dated someone who had a small child, um, and who was uh, adorable, and who I absolutely loved. And when you say small, do you mean just young or uh, miniature? No, just yeah, miniature. She was seventeen, but she was just tiny, four foot six. Uh, no, she was um, three three four so like a really kind of cute adorable mm. age and um used to entertain me when i was hung over so she was fine i was like go oh, make me some toast would you <laughs> um <laughs> oh dear three-year-old so making was, toast that's yeah, dangerous she did she, yeah but in hindsight um probably not that but you know not my responsibility <laughs> so i was like she electrocutes herself moving swiftly along oh, from this tale of child abuse <laughs> safeguarding issues um yeah so i've I've never experienced that problem but i have had friends who have experienced this exact problem and i think it is incredibly common Mm. and incredibly difficult to know how to deal with and i think the first thing to really I, i think i guess dive into is is you have to work out how you feel about the person that you're in a relationship with because if you're not sure about them and the relationship is a bit sort of meh then it's an awful lot to put yourself through for someone that you know you're not kind of Mm. that into Mm. um but if you are then yeah it's it's a really big decision to um end your relationship with another person based on something which is completely external to that uh but also so so bound up in who they are in their life that yeah it's a package deal you can't just mm. be like i'll take you but i don't want anything to do with the fact that you've got two children like you this man has two children and i you don't specify the ages but i'm sort of gathering they're not very small because otherwise you're giving them a lot of uh, where's the bit? Let me try and find it. Um, that, yeah, the poisoned again. Yeah, the yeah. openly hostile bit. I don't think little kids are even really capable of doing that. They'll just be nice to people who are nice to them. Yeah. So I am gathering that they're kind of young-ish, but not not old enough to obviously not be in a situation where the father would have his own time with them. The bit, though, that uh, there's quite a lot, if I'm going to be honest, which I will be. <laughs> um, there's quite a lot about this that bothers me, and I—it's probably going to come across across as quite harsh, but I feel really strongly about this sort of thing, and and I have experienced myself like first-hand experience of having grown up with divorced parents, and then they both had a couple of serious relationships, and so I was raised partly with step parents and some of them were not very nice to me or and it was just a horrible environment to grow up in and it really really damages children to be in that sort of environment so yeah I would definitely say you end Samantha with saying I think it would be easier to just break up and need to date people who are child free it would <laughs> it definitely would <laughs> yes, and it if would. if that like Sarah just said if that decision is kind of appealing to you it kind of would tell me that you're not that invested in this relationship it's only been going yeah. on less than a year you say and um i would almost say like sarah said unless you're absolutely head over heels in love with this person and it's such a a big relationship for you where you think it will be you know a very long lasting one and you're really prepared to put the work in with the children because you sort of have to you can't ignore the fact that they're part of the equation here 
get out of it because you don't really have any place sort of making this situation more difficult you know the children should be the ones that are protected and yeah it's obviously up to the actual parents to do that but you are getting involved in a situation as an adult that you know full well there are children involved and yeah if if you're openly saying I can't stand them that's a very big problem it's a really big problem and it's only going to breed more problems in the future really unless you can either just extract yourself from it and bow out and end the relationship or really and very immediately sort it out which will not be easy if it's already this difficult so let's assume that you are wanting to stay in the situation because otherwise this will be a very quick podcast it would just be like <laughs> end the relationship then which obviously is is an option and it might well be the best one the other thing that, I, that I've picked up on as well is that you do say that um, the kids are obviously being poisoned I mean that's an assumption anyway because you don't know what is going on at the other end with their mother but yeah you said that she's still bitter about the breakup with their dad last year and you also said that you've been with this person for almost a year so it's either there was a crossover or he moved on very quickly and introduced somebody else into the children's lives so it's not really a surprise I mean I don't know any more details than what you've given but it's kind of to be expected that the mother would be still getting over this situation only less than a year in and I'm not a fan of people jumping into relationships when there are kids involved I'm just I'm just not not you know do it if you want but keep it separate from from the children you know don't introduce them to one or the other parents new partner so quickly when you're not even sure if it's going to be a long-term thing as I said I sort of had first-hand experience of that growing up and it's it's really really difficult and and often really unnecessary it's unnecessary upheaval when it's already an upheaval as it is to have parents that are broken up where you're dividing your time and you're always with one but missing out on being with the other one it's it's really difficult in the under the best circumstances where there's just a simple split involved when you introduce new people and new people at that that don't want there to be stepchildren it's awful it's really awful yeah I think that you need to be incredibly loving and giving and compassionate and sensible and the relationship kind of comes secondary really to the children's welfare if there are children involved that's my opinion on it yeah no I I agree um and it's it's a tricky one because initially the responsibility doesn't lie with you the responsibility lies with the the parent of the children to maintain appropriate kind of uh, boundaries and and levels of of compartmentalizing Mm. um which is you know that word that i can't be bothered to say again is is one of those things that you know you think oh well that's a bad thing you shouldn't keep everything separate you should you know you should integrate people and things into your life but i i don't think that there is any issue with keeping things separate for long periods of time until like you say but particularly if the breakup and the new relationship was kind of quite soon after each other mm. um you know you don't have to lie to your children but you you can tell them where you are and and who you're with and and what's happening i'm not suggesting 
uh, that there should be any levels of secrecy in it but to just kind of bring someone in um to the situation and and just kind of expect and hope that everyone will just get along is um is very naive to be honest it's irresponsible so, and i think it's kind of <clears throat> uh, cruel is maybe too strong a word but it borders on that because your time with your children when you're not spending all of your time with them which is generally what happens with parents that have broken up they'll spend some time with the children but then they'll get free time use that free time to do what you want see who you want date introduce somebody else into your life see if the new relationship has legs you don't need to do that when you have your children you know when you have your children in the first year certainly be with your children try to do everything you can to make their new life with you separate from their mother as stable, as calm, as loving, be as present as you can possibly be, that is not the time to start introducing them to the person you've just met, especially a person that you've just met that's not even keen on your children. Yeah, I guess I just, I completely agree. And that's what I would hope that I would do in that situation. I just think from, to kind of not play devil's advocate but discuss the other side i think you know i can i can understand that naivety of thinking well i love my children and i love this person i just want everyone to to be in the same room and get along and i want us to do loads of stuff together but it you know life is is not really like that and like we say it's one thing if the kids are, are like three in terms of how they are likely to react it doesn't it doesn't i'm not suggesting that it's any less uh important or damaging or potentially Mm. damaging or whatever but yeah if they're young teenagers or whatever who have their own minds and their own opinions you can't just assume that your your life is going to gel together um, that nicely so you do have to be super careful but I guess in terms of the actual um, email there's not much point dwelling on that now because the damage is done you're in it so it's like well what do you do now because Mm. that's the problem is you can't just suddenly extract yourself you can't suddenly say well actually let's be a bit more boundaried and keep things like completely separate I mean you can try but it's it's just a lot more difficult and obviously the tension of why that's happened in the first place is is going to be there so yeah it does I would definitely take a long hard look at your relationship and be like take the kids aside how do I feel about this person do I see a future Uh, do I want to be with them and if you're not 100% sure then yeah maybe the best thing to do is to just be like that's it's the kindest thing for everyone to just sort of step away yeah and and certainly for the time being if you're not sure what you're going to do the times when your boyfriend has his children just opt out of spending all of your time with him on those occasions spend time with him separately you don't have to make a big deal out of it or make it a difficult weird situation just make an excuse say i'm It'd be so lovely to spend time with you, but I'm actually busy this weekend or whatever it is. So I'll catch you next time, but have a great time with your dad and then allow him to have a nice time with the children. You know, it shouldn't be hard. It should be something that he would welcome to to get his kids to himself. And, you know, don't spend loads of your time with them if you're not enjoying it and if you're making things worse. Because believe me, if you're thinking they don't like me and they're being poisoned against me and they're openly hostile, you're talking about children that are not happy and that's yeah. really sad and that's that's the most important thing here I'm, af- I'm afraid to say to you Samantha like this trumps your unhappiness in this scenario um, you got into this situation knowing full well that this person had children and it doesn't feel to me that you've given that the necessary thought 
And so I would really urge you to give it the thought that it desperately needs now and and try to do everything you can to treat those children. It doesn't really matter what age they are, if they're like seven or 10 or 12 or 14, they're still children and they'll still be reeling themselves from their parents breaking up. And if they are being kind of openly hostile towards you, that will most like undoubtedly really come from a position of fear and sadness, not anything that's personal towards you really and try to just be compassionate about that and yeah just gently remove yourself from the situation a little bit even if you you do want to stay in in it and um go from there that's what I would say yeah I think I think this is a really common situation I've certainly got friends that are in similar situations and yeah like, like I said you know I I was I was when my mom and dad first broke up my mom went into a sort of six year relationship with a guy who was lovely I still got a lot of love for him um, and he had two two children as well that were roughly mine and my brother's age so it was kind of like a big family environment suddenly and that was quite a happy time in my life really and he was as far as stepfathers can go he was really a lovely guy and did a lot for us and and was great with kids and was a really positive person to have around in general but they ended up breaking up and that really hurt badly as well it was like a second divorce really yeah yeah um loss is loss isn't it, it yeah you know it doesn't have to be like um you know obviously your parents breaking up is is a primary loss but you can suffer yeah. massive ones that are just people that you've just become fond of because oh god um, yeah oh, i, I loved him necessarily have control over where the relationship goes from there i mean depending on you know how amicable their breakup was and what age you are and and all those kind of things i mean it can just be literally that person is cut from your life forever Mm. and you never get to see them again and that can be really really difficult it was really difficult and the fact that we'd basically grown up um, around his other two kids as well they just disappeared overnight as well and and they were always with us they were with us a lot brother and sister and so it felt like I'd lost a father figure again and a brother and a sister like overnight Mm, and this was before the internet before mobile phones and stuff so it was much harder really back then to sort of keep in touch with people definitely Um, it is that is a it's a massive consideration actually like yeah just losing people when you you can't just text them or whatever is it's a completely different world from what we live in i didn't know where they lived like i I knew at first but a couple of years went by and it was at the age where i was just about um like early teenager so I was you know getting my first boyfriend and I plunged into that kind of life really of everything was about him everything was about Mm. boys and um, my my best friend and I would you know our whole life started revolving around going to Birmingham and going to nightclubs and trying to get into pubs and getting served so a lot of my time was spent doing that but I really really missed them and I didn't have a family life anymore and soon after my mom when she got involved in a different relationship he lived in London and so she was spending a lot of time there my lifestyle changed so dramatically really really quickly and it was actually at a time where although I I was seemingly embracing being independent going out a lot more actually what I really needed was that grounding at home that that had been there and it just wasn't there anymore so I was in just an awful situation really when I look back and um and it was really, really damaging. And at that point, 
my father was in because I always saw my dad as well I've never not been in touch with him and we always um, spent time together and we'd see him on Thursdays and Sundays and that routine went on for years and he was always just there really really reliable and he started dating somebody that seemed to be in like a weird competition with me and would have real problems with my dad spending time with me on my own if we went to the cinema or we used to go to car boot sales and we'd play guitar together if we did any of that she would get really jealous and be like why are you spending time with her not me why can't I be involved you never do this with me when he started teaching me to drive with a provisional license she she didn't drive and I heard her downstairs why are you insuring her on your car not me it was so That's wrong awful. yeah That's so so bad like for you to 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 hear that is yeah at this age this was a bit later on but I think I was like 15 16 when he had this relationship and she was a younger woman and she didn't have any children of her own and I think she always wanted them and and my dad didn't after he'd had my brother and I he had a vasectomy and never ever wanted more children and again she got involved in that relationship knowing he didn't want more children couldn't have more children was not going to get a reversal on his vasectomy and had two children of the age that my brother and I were and she didn't want any of that what she wanted was someone that didn't have children and wanted children and could have children so it was like what are you doing love yeah what are you doing exactly and um, and all of that frustration and anger and and I don't know annoyance at her own decision making but it it massively came out and it I got the brunt of it a lot of the time she would take things out on me someone she didn't even know that was only there one evening a week after school and some of the Sunday and the Sunday by that point I was literally saying hi dad I'm gonna go out with my friend now and yeah she had massive problems with me that came from absolutely nowhere it was damaging because I really picked up on that sense this hostility overheard her screaming and saying these sorts of things as they were in the same boat like she like she was pitching herself as almost like an older sister that was getting yeah worse treatment than me or something it was really bizarre and disturbing do you feel like your dad was aware of it or did you talk to him about it like how where was he kind of at I didn't talk to him about it at the time I was just um no I didn't talk to him at the time and I don't think I've ever discussed it with him really he was Mm. I think he was reeling from his own situation and he was the sort of guy that he didn't like loads of people didn't want to be on his own so he would get into a relationship and she wasn't she was a really attractive woman she was like really beautiful so I would imagine that part of it was obviously appealing you know there was there was an attraction there she had her own house she was she worked full-time she had a great job she was the sort of person that would be off on holidays all the time so there was some of it that was obviously massively appealing to him but the the real crux of it once you're in the relationship and you have to deal with the fact that well he has he has got children and he's not about to just abandon them you know it became a problem and he was just always very much about the easy life so he would argue a little bit back but then be like well I don't know let her blow off steam and yeah yeah try and then appease her in however he could you know insure on the car and take her for driving lessons (laughs) even though she could have paid for them herself yeah, I, I don't think he dealt with that brilliantly, but from my point of view as as the sort of 15-year-old or whatever I was back then, 15, 16, it was really 
really horrible. I never wanted to go around the house in the end. I would make any excuse just to Which do so something sad. else. Which is so sad if, you know, mm. if, you were, if you loved your dad and you were close to him, you know, sort of growing up, like that's just that's awful mm. that you would feel like that. And, you know, and what you were saying um, uh, a, a little while ago about kind of when you started uh, dating boys and stuff like that's I'd imagine where you just kind of all of your affections and everything was transferred to, which, you know, is not healthy. Like oh, God, when you yeah, first start dating yeah. boys when you're that age, you, you're not emotionally mature enough to invest that much time and energy you know it boys should just be a fun thing that you just sort of doing and exploring for the first time but when you're sort of relying on uh you know teenage boys to fulfill some of your emotional needs um you, it's never going to end well is it really no and it absolutely didn't end well and and that was a blueprint that i took um down the road relationship after relationship for quite a long time you know subconsciously expecting and, and desperately wanting them to sort of fill this void mm. in me that I'd, I'd always really felt I'd, I don't think when I look back I don't feel like I ever felt secure or safe yeah. and and the times where that was really highlighted were those times where you know the big the big situations in in your life occur and for me it was I had to have sudden serious heart surgery when I was seven and that was obviously incredibly disorient disorienting disorientating can never either say or that word. I'll, uh, I'll accept either <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was it was uh, incredibly traumatic and unexpected and very destabilizing and then once that w- was sorted out and everything reverted back to normal health health wise thankfully i'm really really lucky in that situation but that situation is going to have effects on you and it was only about a year, 18 months after that, that my parents then announced we're getting a divorce. And yeah. that's really upsetting for any child. And especially, I think they say around that age as well, it's kind of the worst point for it to happen. If you're yeah. very young, you're kind of unaware. And if you're much older, you have more autonomy and you've got more understanding of it. So when yeah. it happens within a certain age bracket, it, it can tend to be worse. And then for me, that involved moving house and it was a from a really lovely estate to a council estate and it also involved changing schools and losing all of my old friends and yeah it was just it was one thing after another and then then not so long after that like I said you know the relationship my mom had got into that was provided some stability and happiness for us all as a family unit that imploded and broke apart so yeah it was it was a real succession of of instances where it really highlighted the fact that I never felt like I was safe or secure or grounded or stable and I couldn't rely on anything because everything would change even though I desperately didn't want it to so I did look towards my boyfriends at that point for that exact thing for stability and security and like you say a teenage boy should not be expected to do that and they're not capable of doing that and the one that I first hooked up with certainly was not about to be able to do that unfortunately and yeah that that kept repeating itself and it takes as we've kind of touched on in a few podcasts now it takes a lot of reworking and looking at that for you to change that pattern and and to identify it properly but but it can be done you know you've you've said as much yourself you know you've taken a long break from serious relationships and so far so good with this new one because of the things that you've actually implemented in that time 
yeah I, I hope that I can take that credit <laughs> I was, it's 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 difficult because you know life is a series of kind of chance encounters as well so um you know I don't mean in a crystal crystal fate uh whatever kind of way but you can't obviously control the type of person that you meet and when and and think and then there are some things that are just completely outside of you tr you control like physical attraction and stuff you can't it'd be really nice to think well I will from this day forth I shall only be attracted to people who are you know this type of way and have this kind of life but um yeah at the same time you know I hope that um the work that I have done on myself and the time that I've taken to to look at all of my uh bad decisions and patterns and and all that kind of stuff will and has pay, paid off um and i think you know you have to believe that it will or what's the, what's the fucking point really yeah and, and i think you have to be aware that you can make huge amounts of change and improvement in your own life just by looking at yourself and mm. and realizing like fully realizing you have the power to direct your life you absolutely are able to control the way that you act and the way that you act and the way that you treat other people, the way you interact basically makes or breaks the relationships that you have in your life. It yeah. absolutely does. And there have been quite a few promising relationships in my past that I know for a fact I really was to blame for the, the deconstruction of them. Yeah. You don't know how it would have how it would have gone had you behaved differently. You just don't. So there's no point in really dwelling on that. But all you can do is think, God, I would I would not behave in that way or this way anymore. Yeah. And you don't have to. You you don't have to. You, it's hard to sort of change those behaviours. Really, really hard. It can feel utterly impossible. In fact, but it is absolutely possible. And when you really realise that, it opens up a world of possibilities because that's what can change your life you know you can change your life it's not about luck it's not about other people it's not about getting the right job or the right paycheck or any of those sorts of things it's just not it's about how you approach things and and the way that you behave and the boundaries that you uphold or the ones that you don't that will really be mostly what what your happiness is dependent upon definitely yeah but I think and I think it's I completely agree with all of that. I just, I also think that it's it's important to not think. Um, I mean, so, certainly. I mean, I don't feel I don't feel fixed in any way. <laughs> I still, I know that there's still so much work there to do, and I think it's it's re it's it's a good thing to not be complacent as well. You know, it mm. would be quite easy for me to say, well, I've done all the all of this work, and look. I'm reaping the re rewards now and that's it you know I don't it's like I don't need to to continue to do that but actually um kind of being uh, um just being aware being aware yeah. that you are aware of it is sometimes enough like we're all consistently a work in progress no one mm. is ever like oh right I don't know everything I need to do now everything's gonna be perfect like my interactions with everybody else will all be the highest quality that's just not how it will go for any for any of us no and there's a I, I you know I definitely think there's a there's a pendulum effect in some instances where you've been too much one way um in you know certain areas of life or in relationships and then so you try and 
um, correct yourself and go the other way by realizing that and working on all the issues around it and then you can kind of swing too far the other way and then you're like oh no but now how do I find that, that mm. kind of middle ground and that is trial and error and that is um, you know a little bit of hopefully meeting someone at that at particular times who can kind of help you do it because you you take responsibility for it um, all by yourself but yeah relationships are not um, you are not in control of everything in that relationship no. so as much as you can be like well you know I'm in a great position and a great place emotionally and mentally to implement all these things there is then someone else there um, you know pressing lots of different buttons and it, it's kind of all about how you react to them so yeah it's a it's a complicated process and it's never you know nothing is ever perfect nothing is ever not changing as well um you can have something that's great and then it can become a little bit toxic or a little bit you know whatever but it's just realizing that and not standing for it and addressing it and you can come out the other side i guess yeah and none of it will ever be complete and literally you won't be complete on things like this until until you're dead yeah. like that's the point where you'll have no more work to do that's because you won't be able to, to. Though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah the sweet sweet relief of death <laughs> oh god i can't wait <laughs> <laughs> the peace i will feel yeah but yeah that's the human existence that's why it's all worthwhile because it's constant there's constant risk and change and um fear and and all of that but it's just like you just do your best and uh if you take responsibility for for that then there is so much good to come out of it yeah and sometimes your best will be shit <laughs> sometimes it will be exactly awful right but the, the trick is with that is that you just you stop and you get up and you dust yourself off and you carry on and you redirect yourself into a better position and you try again and you try a bit harder and you try something different or you try and just persevere. You just keep trying to do better. And that's all any of us can do, you know. Maya Angelou, I love her. I've read quite a lot of, of her stuff now, but she was amazing. If you If you ever get the time, just YouTube some of her old interviews because she's one of the best speakers on that sort oh, of that's thing interesting. i've never yeah i'm like familiar with her writing and her work but i've never seen her uh, oh she's speak. amazing absolutely amazing and and she famously said once you know better you do better and it's just one of the most beautiful and true statements ever made because yeah that is all you can do you know there's no point looking back and beating yourself up for things that you did that you regret or that you you wouldn't do now or you wished you hadn't done even five seconds after you did it or while you were doing it sometimes mm. but that's obviously all you were capable of at that point and if you have any regrets about how you've behaved in the past or the decisions that you've made try and forgive yourself yeah. try and forgive yourself firstly and and leave it and and have some compassion for that situation but then more importantly than that try to learn from it and don't do the same thing again like find yourself in situations that you find difficult or challenging and try and act with compassion and dignity and love and and that to finish off going back to samantha's email try to have some compassion for the situation that you're in because there are children involved they are they should be being protected you know above and, and beyond 
the protection of the adults in this situation, you know, because they don't have autonomous decision-making capabilities at the moment. They're still not fully formed. They've been through a, a trauma with their parents splitting up and split-ups generally don't happen in a happy way. They normally come about because there has been some considerable time of unhappiness. And so the resulting situation that you are now embroiled in and, and you would have got into that of your own free will is not of their doing you need to be aware of that and realize you're you're one of the adults in this situation and even if the mother and the father are acting perfectly which they might not be they might not be you can actually behave well though regardless of that and i would really encourage you to do that it sounds like you love or really have a lot of time for this man and, and stayed with the relationship for almost a year now if you're really unsure about it i would do the decent thing and extricate yourself from it calmly and and kindly and if you don't want to do that if you feel like it's got some legs then you have to embrace the fact that two children are a part of that situation to some degree Mm -hmm. as well and your behavior will impact on them even though you're a kind of secondary person in this you are a part of their lives and that shouldn't be taken lightly no and and also just a slightly kind of extra dimension to come at it from you know a sort of therapist point of view in terms of if um samantha was coming to me with this problem as a client and and being focused on her and her needs don't feel you know you can spend a lot of time feeling guilty about the fact that you don't like these um children and you know we don't obviously know what the situation is um I would never apportion blame to the kids but maybe you have tried absolutely everything and been brilliant and lovely and they're um making it difficult and that can be really hard and maybe you're feeling guilty about the fact that um that you don't like them you you are allowed to kind of have that reaction if if it's hard and it's difficult you're allowed to be like god you know I really I'm not sure about this so don't feel any kind of obligation to make it work because you're in it now you know you have to look after your own needs as well and in turn that will be the kindest thing to everyone because you know if they're not happy and you're not happy then what's what's the fucking point like there's no point sticking around so yeah just look at uh, how you actually feel and don't be don't be frightened to do that um if if how you actually feel is god this is way too much you know like my my friends um who've been in this position both of them um ended that relationship in the end pretty much because of the situation with the kid you know they really did love um their their partner but they were just like i just i can't do this and and that's okay we are allowed to kind of have those feelings they're okay things to feel um and in the long run it's it's kind of for everyone yeah i think that's great advice thank you so that about brings us to the end of this podcast i feel quite emotional it got quite raw there didn't it yeah yeah I ask if you're all right yeah i feel <sighs> i feel the gen of 10 years ago would be like let's go for a drink yeah shall we though <laughs> yeah the gen of now <laughs> thinks pretty much the same thing i don't i don't at all no, no but it's that same feeling is i want it, to not it? feel um, like this yeah, yeah exactly exactly it's massive stuff mm. massive massive stuff this it's, is what I mean though this is this is exactly why and where those strong feelings come from yeah me saying don't take this lightly Samantha and whoever else is getting involved in situations where there are children involved 
don't think you can flippantly just stumble into relationships well you can do that but you know what don't think that won't have an effect on those little people because those Mm. little people grow up into adults and everybody's background everybody's childhood has an impact on them one way or the other and if it's been unstable and if it's been traumatic and if it's been one of insecurity and the people around you that you have to spend time with that are in your life if they are being hostile and problematic it does have a a horrible long-lasting effect you know like I've not thought about this situation until I've just started talking about it today yeah and it's it's now made me feel wobbly and that's because it's so packed with old traumatic emotion and I I know because I know enough about it now because it's not like I've just locked the box on that and I've never gotten therapy or help about it and I've unpacked a lot of the stuff about it I am advanced in that in that area fairly advanced and even even though I have done all that stuff it still has the power to really affect me and that's because it it does it childhoods and and your childhood trauma you carry it with you it it has a it has a knock-on effect as well with the decisions you make and even into adulthood you know some of the decisions you make like I think we spoke about in the last podcast they will leave a footprint that you'll just happily trundle along not even knowingly realizing that you're playing out old patterns that don't really belong in your life anymore yeah yeah everything you just said really (laughs) so as a therapist then what do we do yeah what do we do when we feel like that (laughs) in a healthy way what would you advise I mean it's it's difficult I think that never ever just try and push something down don't think right I feel really shit and I need to make this go away because whatever you do to make it go away it doesn't go away it just it gets pushed somewhere else and it comes out in a different way so you know if you're feeling sad uh, and you don't want to feel sad anymore you know you'll probably end up and you push that down you'll end up feeling anxious about something else because it just ruminates in a in a different part of your body or a different part of your brain so you do you know it's uncomfortable it's uncomfortable to sit with hard feelings but you you kind of do have to sit with them but that said you don't have to let them overpower you uh you don't have to dwell on them for days and days to come um so it's just self-care really it's just being really really kind and gentle to yourself doing something that is gonna feel nice um you know something that's gonna give you a nice physical sensation I mean obviously I'm a big advocate of the bath as you know uh so have a really lovely uh long luxurious bath and make yourself some really nice food go for a walk just whatever self-care I mean I don't need to patronize you by telling you how to look after yourself but people people don't people don't Mm -hmm. put enough time and energy and effort and priority into self-care and that's what you have to do it's the physical equivalent of um you know someone giving you like a big cuddle and Mm. if there's someone there to do that then go and have a big cuddle but if there isn't then um then you kind of have to give yourself one in other ways not sort of physically embracing yourself because that's marginally strange what you just said as well about you know go and treat yourself in a way that is is going to nurture you the amount of people and the amount of times in the past that I uh, used to do the same thing but my stock response to any uncomfortable situation or feeling was I'll go and have a drink yeah that's not not self-care that's like a self-harming thing and the worrying part of it is that you can think that it is self-care. I mean, mm-hmm. there are times when I'm like, you know what, I'm fucking miserable, I'm going to get smashed. And I didn't think that was self-care. But then there were other times where I'm like, 
you know what, I feel a bit down, but go yeah. and sit in the beer garden and, you know, I'll just have a few glasses of wine and that'll be lovely and that'll be, you know, really nice for me. And then, you know, a few glasses of wine in, I want more glasses of wine mm. and then I'm eating shit and then I'm not sleeping and then the next day I feel even worse. And that's the complete opposite of yeah. self-care. It's just drug-taking. It's yes. mental. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, yeah. Yeah, it's just, there's nothing nothing romantic about it the packaging behind it and the promotion behind alcohol use is incredibly effective incredibly Mm. effective billions of pounds are spent on that annually and that's why they make the return on it because it it works it absolutely works why wouldn't it it's it's a drug that anesthetizes us i have to say like even um this is obviously so i stopped drinking in uh, the middle of September so kind of the end of the summer and so obviously most of you know my experience of sobriety has been over winter and I've kind of dealt with whatever's come up from that but you know just today it's really really warm here and it's sunny and you know I'm still I, I wouldn't say I'm triggered but like there is just this tiny part of me that's just like oh it's beer garden weather you know just because that is such a well-trodden route and I, I would be making plans to find someone to go and sit in a beer garden with because as I said I haven't really got much work on and I would think oh great you know like I haven't uh, I've got the time to to just really relax and enjoy myself and stuff and I just end up fucking drinking every night and getting myself in a pickle so I know that that's not the way to go but yeah just that kind of idea is so sold to us that it's ingrained even when cognitive yeah, cognitively you know that that's a terrible idea yeah and I I hate to tell you as well I mean I bet you're aware of this already but you'll probably come up against a fair few triggers as the year rolls around because there'll be there'll be new new experiences that will have to replace the old ones where you would have Mm -hmm. just had a drink in your hand even um like the dating thing as well like you know I know we've we've spoken about how I've absolutely loved not doing the usual thing that I do which is to just get wasted on the first date and then rely on alcohol for kind of confidence and stuff like that but then there's almost like this next phase where I'm just like you know like we went out for dinner the other night and I'm just like oh it'd be really nice just to have a couple of glasses of wine and then I'm just like no it wouldn't it's just it's just this idea of it being Mm. nice when actually it doesn't make any difference it was really nice I didn't need or really want wine but it's so ingrained that it's yeah it is just kind of working through these triggers and that's why I think it is really important I know that you're really big on this and I'm definitely realizing that just because sort of three or four months in you're like oh this is great I love not drinking and I'm doing really well like life and the weather and everything throws up different situations where suddenly you'll be kind of back to where where you were where there's that automatic thing of like Mm -hmm. oh a drink would be nice here and then thankfully I can take a step back and be like no I don't really mean that or want that but it's yeah it is something to to kind of be aware of it will most likely happen and um but the thing that you have in your favor you've got multiple things in your favor actually Thank is you. that um yeah you've got several several <laughs> things going for you <laughs> lovely hair bouncy hair thank you um no you you have come so far in just the few months that we've been friends mm-hmm. and um we became friends around that time didn't we sort of septemberish yeah. when you first started stopping drinking but you, yeah in that time you set up so much stuff and you're already like well underway with 
setting up different structures way ahead of that as well you didn't literally go from oh I think I might not drink today and oh this mm. is taking on a bit of a roll you you really put work in ahead of time and you've made friends you've made a lot of friends I'm one of them that has got lots of sober experience under their belt and you can call me at any point you can literally say I'm struggling I don't even know why can we speak yeah, even yeah. just so I can be on the phone so I don't pick a drink up if you ever get to that low point which can happen at any point really you don't know mm. when what will crop up that might topple you you have those people I know you have other really good solid friendships that I'm sure you can do the same thing with but you've definitely got people that know how that feels and you are out as being a sober person that's another thing a lot of people don't feel confident enough to be able to just say I don't drink anymore and yeah. stand behind it you you did that a fair few months ago and you write about it and you have outlets for it and you just have loads of different things that really support that decision and that yeah. is huge it's huge it is. It is. generally I found that you have to at least do a calendar year before you realize you've been through a Christmas you've been through your birthday you've been through other people's birthdays you've been through anniversaries of things that have happened to you perhaps that might trigger you you've been through all these things and realized oh I can do it without a drink in my hand and once you've done it once like most things it becomes easier so because the danger would be if I you know after six months had been like well I've got this shit nailed now Mm -hmm. and would start to think like oh you know maybe I could just reintroduce it gradually like I'm not there yet it's not it's not something that um I could and I would never 100% say I will never ever have another drink ever again because I just wouldn't ever make that sort of sweeping comment but yeah definitely it's not something that I would entertain until I had so much kind of comfortable sober experience under my belt and felt like I could cope with any situation or anything that came up would not it wouldn't be my automatic go-to absolutely yeah that's that's the situation that I came to a while ago and I had to really fight back against people that were very judgmental in terms of once you're a alcoholic and I say that with air quotes you're always an alcoholic I don't believe in that term I don't believe that that's the way that it is I do believe other people believe that and that's absolutely their right it's not the way I think of it it's not the way that I think is a healthy intellectual way of looking at it it doesn't hold up medically to me each to their own and I really wish if I could click my fingers and and have that change overnight that's so detrimental to people wanting to just redefine their relationship with alcohol Mm. a lot of people don't even try or don't even bother because they think if they say i'm just having a while of not drinking that will automatically class them as an addict yeah and therefore they'll never be able to drink again and that might not be the situation that they're in and that's just not healthy it's not healthy at all i think the the only thing you can do really is just try to be kind to other people and to yourself and like you've just said you know when uncomfortable memories and feelings come up and they always they will at some points that you you won't foresee happening you don't have to feel like you have to run away from them or smash them back down or deal with them wholly but just accept oh that's made me feel a bit sad or a bit wobbly and that that's okay Mm, definitely well thanks for that lovely advice (laughs) are you okay yeah yeah absolutely thank you are you yes i think i am yeah cool okay well 
If anybody wants to write in, we love, love, love hearing from you. We do. Come at us with your vulnerability, with your issues, with your... With anything. Recipes, anything. Anything at all. Take it, yeah. Do drop us the line. Just ping us an email to this here address. The team at offtherocks.co.uk. Okay, sweetheart. We'll have a lovely rest of the day. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Bye.